everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited for our first panel interview. You have joined us on Association Rockstars, where we hear about the journey and insights of amazing association executives and partners who are building the association industry of tomorrow. I'm your host, Amy Hager. Lowell is in the chat. So if you guys are there on Facebook, go ahead, say hi to me, say hi to Lowell, put any of your questions, but we're really excited for our first panel interview today. And where I want to start off is letting our guests introdu introduce themselves. So we'll go alphabetically, but Amanda, why don't you go ahead and start? Hi guys, thank y'all so much for letting us be a part of this today. I'm Amanda Creel. I am the CEO of the Birmingham Association of Realtors and the Greater Alabama Multiple Listing Service. Um, and we're right now I'm focusing on the fact that I've been here almost three months and we're doing a new foundation and trying to do all those kind of things that you need to have the right foundation to move forward. Jamie, take it away. <laughs> Thank you, Amanda, and thank you to Amy and Lowell for inviting me to participate. I'm Jamie Bollier. I'm currently in career transition. Um, I am an association veteran and, and really a generalist with, my, with a primary focus on building membership strategy. Uh, most recently, I headed up membership and professional development at the Society for Neuroscience. Passing it along to you, Oyango. Thank you. And Great to be here, Amy. Uh, thank you for inviting me and definitely happy and honored to join this stage with these, with all three of you actually. So uh, I am Oyango Snell, Senior Vice President and General Counsel and Corporate Secretary with the Western States Petroleum Association. Uh, I focus on energy and environmental issues, particularly in the oil and natural gas space. And hey, love the association world. So definitely, definitely, definitely happy to be here. So Amy, I'll throw it back over to you. Well, thank you. So this is working out really well. Um, as you can see, we have been kind of chatting a little bit before this, but the one thing that I don't know is all of your superpowers. And so Jamie, why don't you go ahead and start and share with you, share yours with us first? Sure. My superpower, I would say, is my attitude. I take a mixture of optimism and resilience and I add a little bit of motivation. And I really find it's the best approach to problem solving and leading a team. I love that. Who wants to go next? Amanda? Oh, do throw me under the bed. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I think mine is the enthusiasm um, for what I do and possibly just um, a lot of it goes back to being a reporter because my previous life, I was a newspaper reporter and I never had to know all the answers, but I knew how to, knew how to needed to know where to find them. And so for me, that's kind of my staff always comments on that. They've given me stuff like I will, if I can't find the answer, we're going to find the answer together, but I always know the best process to get there. And I think that always helps us do it because I'm enthusiastic to do the thing and then find whatever our answer Answer is whatever strategy we need to use to get there. I love that. I felt that enthusiasm. I needed that. <laughs> <laughs> so my superpower, if you're a Marvel comic fan uh, or you're familiar with the character Mystique, uh, she's a shapeshifter. Uh, she can form herself into anybody uh, or anything. And I kind of view my role or, or my, my superpower as, as something similar to that because uh, I have a unique skill or the ability to shapeshift myself into multiple roles within the association world, rather it's HR or uh, being the lawyer or even, you know, a little bit of finance and IT work, which that doesn't come, you know, a dime a dozen for everybody. So uh, in the association world, sometimes you have to be a jack of all trades and you have to yeah. be able to maneuver into different <laughs> roles very, very quickly, as, as you all know. So 
I, I, I think my, my superpower would be that of a shapeshifter. Ah, interesting. So I want to ask you first then, how did you actually get started in the association space? Did you shift from another shape into this shape? <laughs> Pretty much, right? So um, uh, it, it was actually as an intern. So I started as an intern in the Ohio House of Representatives. And being an intern, um, besides being a legislator or a senator, some of the most um, influential people are the lobbyists, <laughs> right? Yeah. Those who are coming in and talking to you and taking you to lunch. I was getting a free lunch or a free breakfast or a free dinner from any and every lobbyist that you can name in Ohio. But uh, one of the things that I learned is that their clients were trade and professional associations. It wasn't until I actually graduated from law school and joined the government affairs practice and began lobbying for financial services, insurance, and construction trade industries through the association space. Uh, after a few more run-ins, uh, after I left the law firm, I ended up in DC lobbying for a national trade association, the property casualty insurance space. And then five years after that, I ended up here in California where I'm at in Sacramento, uh, being the general counsel, as I stated earlier, with, 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 a, with an energy trade association. So I've had a very eclectic, dynamic mix of, of, of association worlds, small, medium, and large, and East Coast, West Coast, and also in the Midwest. So <laughs> it's been a definitely a, a dynamic, diverse experience. Love it. How about you, Amanda? How did you get started? Um, well, like I said, I was a reporter in my first life, then I kind of morphed into communications and marketing, and my husband was in service, and he was going to get out and separate after about 14 years of service, and so I was trying to decide what my next thing was going to be. Um, there was a really awesome ad and clever ad for a, a communications and marketing director for a realtor association in the Emerald Coast of Florida, and I was like, hmm, I have no idea what that is, but let me just try it out. I walked in and um, really had a good rapport with the CEO, came in, was super passionate about what realtors do and the fact that there are a lot more than houses and people just didn't see that. And as a communications person, I'm like, oh, I can sell that they help the world and I can sell that they build community and I can talk about political advocacy. I was like, I get to do everything. So I was really excited just about that. So about six months in, I tell everybody, I drank the Kool-Aid, I was done. I was not just gonna probably be in the association world for the rest of my life, but I probably had found my niche and I was gonna be with realtors hanging out with those people talking about that we are more than houses for the rest of my life so um and so far so good i'm an association number four so wow that is awesome and i i too have a reporter background and love how you can still like tie that through and investigate and ask questions and make the connections in the community so that's really fun superpower to kind of share jamie how did you get started i feel like i should know this and i don't <laughs> Well, um, much like you and Amanda, I started in journalism. I was uh, in radio for the beginning of my career, um, doing broadcast radio. And, um, and I love actually telling the story of how I landed in the association world, um, because it wasn't long into my career. But my first association job um, happened by accident. It was with the National Air Duct Cleaners Association. So Oyango, you talk about you know, all the different morphs of industries you've been in. Um, yeah, I went from air duct cleaners to neuroscientists. <laughs> so, and, and all the things in between. But um, I, um, I jumped around with, um, you know, between NADCA and other associations um, over the next couple of years, I tried out different areas, um, different domains within an organization, but I had no recognition that I was actually in this nonprofit association career pathway. It just, it was, it was over my head. But about five or six years in, um, I was in my third consecutive association job and, and the light bulb just went off. And 
Um, and that's when I started uh, really seeking out professional development to improve upon my skills and build upon um, this trajectory and this career pathway of association management, including, um, you know, eventually earning my, my CAE credential. And flashing forward to now, um, I really have found a true passion for, you know, what I call the association machine, right? It's we, you know, that we as association staff can, um, you know, work with all these great volunteer leaders to help influence and, and grow industries and the people that work within them. Mm, I love that. So then why do you, why are you sticking around? Why are you staying in associations? I, I mean, I stick with it because of that passion, like um, to really help propel the industry and the people within them. Um, plus, I'm a total people person. I love working with members, um, understanding their their challenges. I'm, a, I'm like a natural problem solver. In fact, maybe sometimes I try too hard to solve people's problems when I should just be listening. <laughs> but um, I, I think the association um, can always, you can always find that best, that, that place where the association's best position to step in um, and really help tackle common problems among the people within an industry. And I, I just, I think that's so cool. I love that. So, Oyango, um, I want to ask you, because you've gone little, big, east, west, midwest, what do you think is a professional challenge that you've really had to overcome as you've gone to all of these different types of associations? Yeah, I was hoping you weren't gonna, not gonna ask me which one I like the best, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's later. <laughs> I, uh, challenges, so many. Uh, you know, I'm, I've been challenged in the association space um, the entire almost 13 years of existence in it, right? Um, I'll, I'll name two quick ones. Um, one was, one's more on the professional side, one's personally and professionally. On the professional side, I was lobbying in North Carolina uh, against some of our famous companies that you guys are uh, all too familiar with. We all use them, Uber, Lyft, and at that time was a company called Sidecar when Uber and Lyft were just taken off. And the company model at that time or structure was to pierce the, the, the veil of personal liability insurance for insurance, for insurance carriers. So we as the insurance industry was making sure that there was commercial insurance in place that protected not only uh, the drivers, the company, but also those who could potentially be harmed. I am literally testifying in committee uh, in North Carolina, in the insurance committee, and I get, my phone is, keep, continues to go off. It's beeping, it's, 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 it's vibrating, and it's my bosses, my bosses, <laughs> texting me and calling me to tell me that there's a national compromise. Stop pressing against Uber and Lyft. We're gonna go in a different direction. So in mid-sentence, I had to shift and try to change the hearts and minds of these legislators who were willing to ban Uber and Lyft from operating in the state of North Carolina to how we love them. And we think that there's a, they provide a great service and you know we're just gonna work out this little insurance addendum and everybody's going to be fine. So definitely that was a, what, probably one of my most uh, legislative challenges uh, or greatest legislative challenges that I've had as a, on the lobbying side. In general, I've had uh, a very personally and professional challenge where I had to investigate a executive uh, leader who, was, who I had a lot of respect for and uh, fortunately, everybody made it out okay, and, and, and we grew from it, and we all learned from it, but uh, those are not fun when you have to do those types of investigations and, and kind of get down to the, 
to the to the nick and cranny of some of the ethical dealings and things of that nature. But like I said, everybody made it out okay, and we all learned from it, and we grew from it, and we were a better association for it at that particular time. Mm, interesting. And I want to continue on with challenges because Amanda, you have a unique thing that you just did. You started a new job, and you yo you moved your family from Arizona to Alabama, right? And so I want to talk through. What was that like? I mean, we've all obviously interviewed and gotten hired at different associations in the past, but when you reflect on this time around and anything in the past, how was the pandemic? How was that a challenge or was it, was it a blessing? Tell us more. I mean, I think it was probably both, right? It was a challenge and a blessing. Um, you're always trying to develop relationships when you walk in the door. And so that was challenging, but also kind of a blessing because it allowed us to have some different conversations and stuff. I think one of the most amazing experiences or kind of funny experiences that I had is I've been here a couple months and one of my officers who hadn't been on the search committee walked in and he goes, I didn't know what you looked like with a mask on because he had never seen me any way other than virtual, right? And I went, oh my gosh, that's probably true. Like until that moment, I had never really thought about how much relationship building and what we had done those first couple months for a lot of them, they had never seen me one-on-one. -on -one. They had never seen my, you know, me in a room and able to see how crazy I can get or whatever the case may be. So that was kind of a really telling moment for me. And I went and the officer and I talked about that. We still kind of share that example the next few weeks as we talk to people, but that was different. And there's been numerous experiences like that. We had a hybrid event the other day and some of the people, that was the first time they met me. So developing the relationships and digging in, it was definitely different. Um, I came from an association in Arizona where we were open, the staff was back, and so the staff here had been gone and shut, um, you know, the doors had kind of been shut for the last couple months, we were doing remote and curbside service, but not, you know, so a couple weeks in, opening the office back up, at least to the staff, so that I could develop those relationships, start looking at processes and really dig in, but also working through are they comfortable with that? And having some meetings one-on-one -on -one where we were super social distance to kind of see everybody's comfort level. You know, we had people with different challenges with, we had a couple that were pregnant. So maybe that's a challenge with, you know, COVID that we didn't have that's a little bit different and just kind of working through every layer of that um, definitely made it different. I mean, you always are going to walk into a new place and you're going to roll over a rock and find 65 things that you weren't expecting to find or maybe just 55 and the other 10 you kind of expected. But, you know, that's where you're going to be. And so definitely that, a lot of challenges specifically to how they work remote, to how we move back, how we continue to be in a work remote, have that flexible, you know, work environment that people now have become not only accustomed, but kind of really appreciate. Um, so it's just been, it's been an interesting, not that different than the other, but I think the relationship building has definitely been, and those moments where you go, wow, I've never even sat in a room with these people, yet I am partnering with them at every level to figure out where we're going to go and how we're going to come up with a strategic plan. My very first day on the job was virtual strategic planning for our multiple listing service. So, you know, thrown into the fire for sure. And I had never been in a room with anyone mm -hmm. um, out of the strategic planning, really. So we they didn't know me, they didn't know how to read me, and you can't read people the same way the first time virtually. So it was definitely um, products challenges, but really exciting kind of blessings because we know each other in a lot of different ways and we've had to think of ways to really connect, which I think is gonna be a blessing for us years to into the future. Yeah, no, that sounds like it. And I wanna ask Jamie, um, since you've been laid off during the pandemic and after being with your organization for like six years, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What are some of the summer silver linings that you're seeing that you want to share? And I know there's others in this group that are in a similar situation where you are. And I want to say every conversation I've had with you during this time 
you have been so upbeat, so positive. And so that's why I want to hear more of the silver linings, because I do think that you're really so optimistic and hopeful. And that's just so awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Um, and, um, you know, I'm not going to lie. It was rough. Um, you know, I really loved my job. I love the organization and, and I understand they had to make a tough business decision. Um, uh, but, you know, again, going back to that superpower, I'm optimistic. I'm an optimistic person by nature. And so I have found silver linings in all of this. Um, and I'll give you my top three. Okay. Number one, I learned and got to do so many amazing things at the Society for Neuroscience. I, I helped redefine a, a diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy for the organization. I introduced new membership products and, and found um, and, and, and grew new opportunities um, for, for increasing retention and, um, and building the community. And I even got to, I got to build an entire leadership development program um, from the ground up, uh, from concept to implementation. And guess what? I get to take all of that with me, uh, all that knowledge, all that know-how, I, I, I get to retain that, that's mine. And I get to bring that to some lucky new association one day. Um, secondly, my network is amazing. Um, I couldn't believe the outpouring of support that I received from my association family um, and other even volunteer leaders that I worked with, um, not even just at the Society for Neuroscience, but going back in time um, um, to you know previous positions, um, uh, people came out of the woodwork and, um, and it's taught me definitely to just keep nurturing that network and that community, um, not just when I need it, but mm -hmm. all the time. Um, uh, you know, I've had offers for assistance in finding opportunities and making introductions and connections. It's just been eye-opening and enriching. Mm -hmm. um, third, I have had the gift of time uh, while I find my next opportunity. That's nothing, you know, looking for a job is certainly a full-time job. Um, and so, uh, you know, I've really used that time wisely, I think. Um, I've, um, I've written articles and participated in, in podcasts and opportunities like this one today. Um, and I'm trying to give back to the, you know, the large community of professionals who have also been displaced by layoffs due to COVID. Um, I, I participate in a couple of different um, networking groups for the for unemployed professionals and um, you know we share tips and tricks on, on networking and getting landing interviews and um, I've really enjoyed that I, I, um, I have a need to contribute so I'm really finding ways to do that um, in this in this um, during this time so um, so it's it's you know definitely a bummer but um, also an opportunity and there's so many great opportunities popping up with associations right now that it's actually very exciting as I interview and, and meet new association execs and other staff and, um, and think about what, you know, what's my next, what's the next place I'm going to plant my flag and, and, and who I'm going to be able to help in the process. There's just so many possibilities. It sounds like, mm -hmm. oh, can't, I cannot wait to see where you land and they're going to be lucky to have you, of course. Thank you. And, um, one thing that I also want to ask you is, I think out of all of us, you've had your CAE the longest. 
So take us back to when you got it and why did you get it and how do you think it's helping you out right now? Definitely. I mean, so I got my CAE in um, 2009. Um, and, uh, you know, as I said earlier, I went after it because I all of a sudden I realized I was in a career pathway that had legit that had legitimacy. And this was going to be my way to plant my flag um, and say, I'm this is this is what I want to do with my life. This is what I want to be when I grow up. Um, and my opinion is, is that having that CAE designation and credential really provides validation that I'm serious about my career in association management. And I'm serious about continuing, you know, lifelong learning to be a better association professional. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably the nuts and bolts of it. Um, I, I, hands down, it was um, you know, uh, the, one of the best decisions I made for my career, uh, mm -hmm. earning the credential, it has opened up doors for me. It shows future employers that I'm the real deal. And, uh, and, and this is, this is what I want to do. I love that. Um, Amanda, I think you're the most recently crowned CAE. I don't know how <laughs> you're a CAE earner. Um, so I know there's people watching who are taking the exam coming up either in the next few months or by the end of the year. When you reflect back to how you studied and prepared, any tips that you want to share with them? Um, I think for me, it was um, a lot of the reading. We, I, did the, I did the Michigan Society of Association Executives course, so that was a big win for me. Um, Susan was great. Um, I loved the challenges of getting outside of mine and really thinking about being at a really large organization versus mine. So getting that mindset and thinking about, hey, this is not just how my organization runs, but how best practice. And I think thinking about um, I learned so much in that course, but I also learned with the books and all the readings and I watched all the YouTubes because I'm a nerd and I was up, my husband laughed at me like every night to like two o'clock in the morning for the whole time I was in the class leading up to the test. I'm like, I can do a little bit more. I can get a little bit more. Um, but, you know, going through and looking through and really thinking about and then um, one of the coolest things that actually came from my Michigan Society class was there were so many things that I wanted to be able to input along with learn. And one of the first things she told us is get a notebook and on each side the stuff that you need to know for the test and the stuff that you want to implement later. And that was so helpful to me because I'm the type that my mind is going to want to implement those things right away. Like I don't know how to say no. Mm -hmm. So I needed that separation. So I think that was for me too, because you're going to learn so much that you can put into your day-to-day -day job that you're going to be excited about doing that you've got to find some separation. So separating between what you're studying and what you really need to know for the exam, getting outside of the headspace and thinking not just your association, but big picture. I think as somebody that's focused on real estate the whole time, I needed to get outside of my C6 world and I needed to get out of side of the way real estate, realtor associations do things because there's so much more than that. And I learned so much from that, that I wanted to put into motion at the same time, but I needed to understand that to really do well on the exam. So really taking the time to get outside of your box, you know, and think outside of your box and go through the questions and think big picture. If I was at the largest association in the country, how would they handle this and be willing to kind of think and be willing to be wrong? Because I mean, I think we all have preconceived notions and you go into that test and you're like, oh yeah, yeah. But, you know, if we're all for answering that question, how are three of us going to answer it? That was really helpful for me to think about because just because my association works a little bit differently and that's the 
best way for me to answer it in practice, it, I needed to kind of get outside of that scope and say, okay, what is the best way for me to answer this if I'm in the room with you guys? Like, how are y'all going to answer it? Like, how would somebody else answer it in the same foot? So those are, those are the things that really helped me. Um, you know, making sure that I did do all the readings. I used different mediums so that I wasn't doing the same thing. I'm a big reader and highlighter. So my poor books that I used are like highlighted, but I think everybody's got their thing that they do, right? Their way that they do. So know your learning style and be familiar with it and use it to your advantage because the note cards may be where it's at. I have lots of friends who have passed and the note cards were, you know, the biggest thing for them where the note cards weren't for me. It was the books and the binders and highlighting all the stuff, but that's because that's the way I learn and that's what I do. I don't know that probably goes back to the communications and journalism background too, but that was for me. So just, you know, knowing who you are, thinking outside of your box, learning from it and being prepared to have some kind of separation between what you're going to want to put into practice and what you need to know for the exam because it's overload you're drinking from a fire hose like we do in so many things that we do in the association world and so to me you know just separate and really think about it and ask people like that are on this panel I know if anybody whether I knew them or not if they sent me a private message after this or said what can I do I would be happy to share and I think that's been true of anybody I've met in the CAE community so you know ask questions ask them what they did ask them what advice they have everybody's happy to share and you know use that network because I love Jamie talked about the network earlier use your network make it happen yeah and I do think you you're right like you reach out to CAE of course we're going to give advice and tell you how we did it and again it may not be exactly right for you the, the note cards work the highlighting works however it works but you'll never know if you don't ask and uncover and so um Mr. Snell do you have anything else to add about the CAE conversation you took the test a couple years ago yeah, I mean, Amanda knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that should be, well, it is recorded. I was going to say, that should be recorded and, and presented for any candidate uh, who's looking, who's interested in the CAE. Uh, a lot of the things she said, I, I want to double down, though, on, on one thing that, that, that really stuck with me, and that is to separate what you need for the exam yes. and what you want to learn, separate, bifurcate those two, because I'm a lifelong learner as well, right? And we want to soak up all this knowledge and experience and you only have a, a certain amount of time you know Jamie to your point earlier time is not on your side when you're studying for the CAE exam you have to focus laser sharp focus one of the things that I talk to people about in my professional speaking role uh, particularly on leadership and career choices is train in your profession as if you are a professional athlete Think about how hard professional athletes grind and the toll that, you know, is put on their, men on their mental as well as their physical uh, makeup. So you want to train your mind and in your profession, you want to stay focused, be sharp and do all the things that's necessary uh, to help you be the best that you can be in your profession. So for me, about, you know, realizing that I've been in the association space for almost a little over 13 years couple of years ago, I started looking, okay, what's my career trajectory? I used to buck at being labeled the association guy. And I embrace that now, right? <laughs> in fact, in 2019, I started thinking, okay, the only next stop for me is leading an association. So how will I be able to um, develop the, the, the knowledgeable foundation that's necessary to be able to do those shape-shifting things that I talked about earlier, but in a more successful manner. You're not just the leader of a department or a team or a unit. You have to worry about all the units, how government affairs, public affairs, communications, legal, antitrust, uh, information technology, how all those things fits together in order to make the organization thrive and prosper. So 
it was a no brainer for me in looking at what I think is my next step in my career trajectory and what I needed in order to help, you know, kind of solidify that foundation. Oh, I like that. I have two questions and I'm just not quite for sure who I want to ask them to first. So I'm passing <laughs> both of them out to all three of you and you can pick which one you want to answer. So my first question is, what is the best advice you could give someone coming into the industry? My second question, what is something that we can do to help the world better know about choosing a career in the association space? Okay. Who wants to go okay. first? Well, since I threw Amanda under the bus earlier, <laughs> I'll make, I'll be the sacrificial lamb. <laughs> okay, thank you. We're friends for life now. <laughs> um, let me deal with the first one. I think four things. One, find your lane and dominate in it. What I mean by that is we're talking about superpowers. Know what yours is, but also know your limitations. Know where your areas of improvements are. I don't know, I don't call them weaknesses. Know what your areas of improvements are so that you can focus on those as well, but focus on finding your lane and dominate in it. Uh, make yourself indispensable. And what I mean by that is look for a niche or service that you can provide, that you offer, that is your value add to an association or an organization and capitalize on that to where it's, you know, even though as Jamie mentioned earlier, sometimes companies have to make a business decision, but it's a hard business decision. You wanna make that decision as hard as possible. Uh, develop and cultivate relationships and networks. Amanda just hit on it earlier, right? You want to be able to cultivate and build solid, strong relationships that carry you forward and be a creative problem solver. Don't think outside the box. Think as if the box never existed in the first place, but make sure that you stay confined with an ethical bounds and moral turpitude. Don't, don't sacrifice that for, you know, in order to create, a, in order to try to solve a problem. So those are four pieces of advice that I would give for someone coming into the profession. As far as the second part of that, you know, I really think that forums like this, these types of discussions, demystifying the association world, because there's no career path that we learn about in college or high school for that matter, or graduate school about the association world. So it's this novelty, you know, what is it? Mm -hmm. Who's in it? How does it exist? How much do you get paid? Well, go check the 990 for any yeah. <laughs> association that you wanna learn about, you'll know how much they get paid and you will learn that this is probably the industry that you wanna be in if you're money driven. But in all seriousness, one of the other things that we need to think about doing is what's displayed on this panel right now. We have to be intentional and focused about our diversity, equity, and inclusion because it's representative. The people, the leaders who are coming up under us to see powerful, dynamic women like yourselves, a black American gentleman like myself, they think, man, I can do that. These are the non-traditional mm -hmm. types of candidates that we, don't, we didn't think about as an as a association industry for a long period of time. So when we look at these opportunities to present panels like these, whether it's through Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever venue you throw out there, these types of conversations are necessary in order to educate that broader community that we do some great work and we have some great people. Oh, like we could just end it right there. <laughs> but I don't want to, ladies. What do you got to add? 
I would just say, I love everything that he said. The only thing I would also say for those that are, you know, starting out or whatever, it's a, it's a, it's a marathon, not a race. Like don't get caught up in the moment that you've got to get everything done. I'm kind of in that mode right now because I'm brand new. You're thinking, Oh, I'm not getting enough done quickly. I'm not getting this. Don't think, realize that it's a marathon, make priorities, make your plans, figure out as you figure out what your lane is, then come up with a plan to how to maximize view in your lane and all those kind of things. I think that's a really important piece of it. And then I would totally echo what he said about these kind of conversations are so important and including people in the conversation, celebrating each other. You know, I'm super excited that I got to talk about all the other cool people that I was doing. You know, we all posted about how we couldn't wait to be in a panel with these other people and the cool things that they're doing and that we all have superpowers. Celebrate one another as part of the conversation because mm-hmm. there's a lot going on. There's a lot of people, you know, and talk about what you do for a living on your social media channel. Like I know people all the time, they constantly think I sell real estate. No, man, <laughs> that's not what I do. Let me tell you what I do. I'd love to talk to you about what I do, right? Those are the kind of things that, you know, I think we should do. We should talk about what we do, why we love what we do. We all talked about today why we love this. Talk about why we love it. What makes it special? What makes the stay? No matter what gets thrown at us, like Jamie was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Talk about who we are, why we do this, and what makes this so incredible for us. Because I think that will ignite the passion to make sure that we do have the diversity and equity and inclusion that we need in this industry. And that has all those kind of things. If we're bragging about each other, and what everybody else is doing. And if we're talking about why we love being a part of these communities, nothing's gonna stop us from getting more amazing people to join our fold, whether it's, and and it doesn't have to be about money for a lot of people, you know, it's gotta be about that culture and that community. And we've got that. Um, The CAA world has that, the association world has that. We just need to spread it. Oh, that's perfect. And I know we're we're working with time here, but I do wanna just add one um, one piece to this, I, I first of all echo everything my colleagues have just said um, in their responses. Um, but you know, jumping off something you said, Oyango, about um, about letting um, letting people see uh, some diversity in the space and 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 uh, having people have the ability to see um, that they could be in these roles as well. Um, you know that that goes farther than just the association. Mm-hmm. By because I mean, I'll just give an example. I worked um, for an association that I'll, I'll remain nameless, but a very male-dominated industry. Um, and here I was a leader in that industry, and I traveled around the country um, and spoke to um, affiliate and you know the components of this organization. So I was up in front speaking to hundreds of people at a time as a woman in a very male-dominated industry, and what you know, what I hope that did and what I suspect it could have done is shown the male leaders in that industry that a woman can also be a leader in that industry. So when they were hiring and they were recruiting new people to work within the industry, maybe they looked at women just a little bit differently um, and uh, um, for consideration in those roles that they were hiring for. So even though I was the association staff, I, I hope that I contributed to um, a diverse, you know, the diversity of that of that industry by being a leader within it. Mm, I love that, and I think again, it just shows what the impact is that we have mm. on the industries that we represent, and how that really bleeds down into the members and how they operate business, how they look at business, how they look at their industry. 
So you guys are nailing everything on the head. I have one last question. And Jamie, we'll go ahead and start with you. What legacy do you want to leave behind? Great question. Um, I would say that I like to I like to set a good example. And so I suppose I, I want to leave a legacy of best practices um, surrounding good leadership and adaptability and problem solving. I love that. Amanda, how about you? I just want to leave it better than I found it. Um, it's really simple for me. Um, everywhere I go, I've been blessed with four opportunities at associations now. And I just want to know that my leaders, when they look back, feel like we made progress and that we left it better than we found it. That's enough for me. Mm, I love that. All right. Wanango, how about you? For me, so I live by a motto that um, I exist to make life easier for those that come after me and for those that walk alongside me. So for me, it's really about mentoring and sponsoring younger leaders that particularly in the association space, as well as in the legal communities, so that they don't have to make some of the same mistakes that I've made, some of the failures that I've had, uh, but they, that they can find their lane and they can dominate in that lane and be successful. If, if I'm able to inspire that type of leadership development and, and help individuals step into their own role, I believe that's my purpose. I've lived a good life. So that's the type of legacy that I'd like to leave behind on the association space. I think we're all living a good life in the association space. <laughs> what I'm getting from all of y'all, I love it. Well, I wanna thank you guys so much for joining us today and thank everybody who's been tuning in on Facebook. There are some great comments going on and if you guys have any questions, feel free to post that in the comments, tag one of us. We'll be back to answer, don't you worry. And I want to thank Lowell. He's been in here commenting like, like I've never seen him before. So thank you so much, Lowell, for spending time with us today. And again, thank you all of our listeners for joining us. And if you have any questions, if you have any nominations, this panel format is new for us. I would love to hear what you guys think. And again, this is a great community. So we all rise together. And I want to say one last thing, which is association rock on.